Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to part two of the Failed Critics podcast TV special. Uh, We pick up pretty much where we left off with part one, which was released earlier in this week. Um, I hope you enjoy. There we go. So that's the first bit done. And we'll move on to the second question that we've got today, which is um, kind of similar, I guess, but it's the best new show of 2015. So it must have aired its first episode in 2015. And we will go in reverse order, I think. So we'll start off with Steve's suggestion. Uh, His was Better Call Saul. So it's not as good as Breaking Bad Juggernaut, but still a great TV show with a fantastic central performance. I think that kind of echoes what we've already said about it earlier. Um, But I agree. I I do think it's a brilliant drama. But my choice is actually The Brink, which is a comedy show that's only started last month. Oh. Mainly because I was struggling to think of something that's had its first episode in 2015. Um, but yeah, the brink. It's about um, it's about U.S. government um, who are trying to prevent a major World War Three catastrophe from occurring. But it's a comedy show. Um, so what you've got is people in the show like uh, Tim Robbins, who's oh, playing okay. an advisor to the president. Very funny guy in it. In fact, he it is really probably the best performance I've seen him from him since Shawshank. Um, it's fantastic. Wow. You've got Jack Black in it, who I know isn't everyone's cup of tea, but he's also pretty good. And this is um, out in Pakistan. He gets kidnapped by the militia over there um, and is trying to talk his way out of out of being held hostage. We've also got um, Pablo Schreiber, who's in it, who I knew from Preservation. He, that's um think that's porn stash from he's porn black, stash. isn't it yeah oh, wow. <laughs> yeah he's in it as this um uh pilot um who takes a lot of drugs and tries to yeah but anyway i won't spoil it but then you've got loads of other people in it um, I've, just had, I've had to look it up because i've not heard of it and asif manvi's in it and i love asif, asif manvi yeah, yeah. From, well from, from the daily show and from the daily show yeah and whenever you need a comedy indian guy uh, exactly well he was in the age. dictator <laughs> yeah he was in the internship uh he was in the last airbender but we'll yeah. move on uh i've got mira sile who is always you know, yeah. good value, you know, goodness gracious me is probably what she's most well known for. That looks here. really interesting. Um, so what's this t- showing on at the moment? It's HBO again. It's HBO, but it's yeah. showing over here on Sky Atlantic. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm gonna look it's it's an episode. Gonna look it's, that up. Thank you. It's it's very slow to start, I will just say. The first pilot episode is a case of chucking everything in, as most pilot shows are. They try to throw in all the drugs, all the booze, all the women, all the mm. political mumbo-jumbo, all that kind of thing. It just gets shoved into the first episode. And I think when I looked at IMDb after the first episode of Dead, it was rated 5.5. Right. Well, that's not good for a TV show. That's not good. Yeah. Oh, Rob yeah, Brighton's get... in it. Wow. Yeah, well, I haven't caught up completely yet. I've okay. watched the first four or five episodes, I think, um, and it's still ongoing. It's still it's still okay. showing now, um, but yeah, it's just re- I think it's really funny, underappreciated. I've not heard a lot of people talk about it. In fact, one person I recommended it to on Twitter, um, Liam uh, at Elmore Ltb, mm-hmm. he's 
felt the same way as me. Thought it was a bit iffy, had a bit of potential, but has grown a lot better over time. Um, so I'm going to stick with it right to the end. It's a bit hit and miss in each episode. Usually, actually, the stuff with Pablo Schreiber in it. His mm. sections can be a bit dodgy. Yeah. But everything with Tim Robbins makes up for that. He's just okay. excellent, excellent. And apparently the plan is for each season to possibly be about a different crisis anyway. Yeah. So what you're expecting is by the end of this one, it's completely wrapped up and the next series starts and it's going to be something, you know, if it gets commissioned again, will be yeah. something completely new. Okay. So I highly recommend it. I think it's very funny and um, deserves has, a bigger audience. But it has been renewed for second season. Oh, hey, well, hey, good news. Good there news. So, James, why don't you tell us about your I'll best be, show? Of I'll be the... really quick here because I, I probably spoke a bit too much last time. I, I, it's a really simple one. You, I think you've already spoken about it on the podcast uh, at length before. Uh, Daredevil. Okay, yeah. It's original. Um, created, like created uh, for television anyway by Drew Goddard, um, starring Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock stroke Daredevil. Um, what I loved about it, actually, it was it was a side of marvel that i'd not really seen um not being a marvel comic not being someone who has read a huge amount of comic books and graphic novels and things like that you know everyone's read watchmen surely but i've not read a huge amount of uh so i i I, i'm used to the marvel cinematic universe and this was this is my favorite thing to come out of marvel since iron man 3 full stop um it was gritty it was it, it was genuine. You, people throw the words gritty and dark around at comic book you know, films a lot these days, especially post uh, uh, Christopher Nolan. But it, it genuinely was. And there was some pretty horrible stuff. And what I loved about it was you've got a good guy here. And he is a good guy. Uh, yeah, Matt Murdock, uh, the blind lawyer stroke vigilante, who um, who is making choices that he thinks are the best thing. And bad things still happen because of those choices and it, it, it's definitely got a moral grayness to it which you don't see with the more mainstream marvel output necessarily uh unless you kind of really go looking for it and and just some great brilliant brilliant performances and that for me that's what held this show up is you had uh, charlie cox is fantastic and i only ever knew him from stardust and he's completely different <laughs> than this and <laughs> And incredible, and really, really good in this. Really charismatic as well. He's a very charismatic man. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio uh, as Wilson Fisk is, again, just this disguised absolute rage. But really, really good backup from people like to- uh, like to- Toby Leonard Moore, who plays James Wesley, uh, Vondi Curtis playing Ben Urich, um, and and the kind of the trio of Karen Page and Foggy and Matt Murdock. Yeah, just really, really nice. Good writing, kind of. It did, like a lot of seasons of television, full stop, lost its way a little bit in the kind of second, third. Um, but it tied it up absolutely brilliantly. I'm very pleased there's going to be more of these to come. And yeah, that's about it, really. Um, yeah, Daredevil. It was. If What I've noticed as well is there are people who don't necessarily like Marvel films who've watched this and have really enjoyed it. So even if you think, well, I don't like those Avengers and, you know, that give this a go because it's more of a it's more of a crime drama with someone who's good at fighting yeah. than uh, a comic book adaptation in a way mm-hmm. the only thing i would like it i'd like to see more of matt murdoch the lawyer because i'm a big fan of kind of legal dramas and that's the one bit of it that le- they had a bit in the opening episode and then i never saw him in a courtroom i think after that i was like yeah. maybe a lawyer by day come on let's see a little i think but hopefully next season they'll expand on that a little bit and They've already confirmed that Electra is going to be a big part of the next season, so that'll be interesting to see. I like with Daredevil. Um, I think it has a, has at least two, perhaps three episodes where they've actually just got him sat in. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, he's like I'm pretty sure there's at least two or yeah. twelve episodes throughout the season where he's stuck in one place because he can't move because he's beaten. Yeah, he's been beaten to death nearly twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And There's a lot of legal things that get solved with his fists. Yes. But, you know, yeah. that's kind of superhero stuff 101. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? And that's yeah. fine. I've got but no it's, problem it's... with that. It's, if I wanted to improve it a little bit more, I'd like to see a little bit more of him using his skills as a lawyer. Uh, but I don't know how faithful that is to the comic books. I don't know if the comic books spent much time with him in a courtroom. I don't know, actually. I've only read a few. I've read the Frank Miller stuff. Yeah. Um, Yes, but it is mainly about it's mainly about fighting people, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, being daredevil. <laughs> and, yeah, 
Um, I did just to throw this in here. I'm pretty sure you, on your recent episode of the pitch, mm-hmm. possibly put Charlie Cox forward I, for Bond. I nearly put Charlie Cox. If you were going for a young reboot of Bond, I'm based purely on his Daredevil work because um, he's a blonde. He's going. You know, he's he he's like a younger Daniel Craig in a way. He's got char- He's got charisma. He's clearly got the physical capability, and you know. You, He's he's built for the role, yeah. But yes, in that episode of the pitch, spoiler: alert, I went for Idris Elba because let's come on, everyone wants it. Let's just make it. We do, God's yeah. sake. <laughs> and Latham, then why don't you tell us what your um, favourite show of twenty fifteen has been? Um, I Zombie. Oh right, okay. Another comic book adaptation. Yes, it is. It is. It's um, aside from. The slightly dodgy name that, because <laughs> um, the whole like i iPhone etc. Mm-hmm. It tur- it turns out to be be one of the surprisingly well plotted first seasons I I think of. Um, it's cr- it's created well not created it's adapted from a guy called Rob Thomas who is probably more known for doing Veronica Mars, um, and. For those not familiar with Veronica Mars, it was like a young teenage private te- detective um, in like a very rich area of California, um, mixed with a lot of modern noir. Um, what what iZombie's done is that it's um, Rob Thomas has probably learned a lot more about how to plot an arc and how to how to build things properly. Um, and manages and manages to do one of the best convert conversion of multi little mini arcs in a season finale for a long while. Um, as I'm jumping the gun, if you're not, <laughs> I'm jumping the gun a bit. Um, oh, zombie is about um, this like young medical student who gets bitten by a zombie and becomes a zombie um, and starts working at a local morgue. Now it's not, she's not a Walking Dead style zombie. She's still got her own thoughts and feelings and um everything but she needs to eat brains and she usually picks and when they usually have dead bodies come from the morgue she'll pick a few of the bodies brains and she get so she's able to like stay alive because i think if she doesn't eat brains she starts to become your more stereotypical right. um, dumber george male type zombie um but what happens is that she starts receiving visions of the peak from the people whose brain she eats so and then she pretends to be a sidekick and works with a police detective to try and solve these murders because she gets the odd vision um, or point of view vision from the people she's eating. But she's also but she also picks up their personality traits. Right. So, um, yep. like in the first episode, um, the, the 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 murder of the week, the dead body turned out to be a kleptomaniac. She'll just walk in and start <laughs> randomly start picking things up from desks, and she'll have no control about it or one week she she um, becomes a daredevil and then like, <laughs> starts taking risks and everything and it, it combines with like an emotional uh, emotional subplot of the of the episode with like a personal life and with a pair like, with a mom and a brother or a roommate um there's a a separate like plot thread growing with um, david anders who, um, if you're not familiar, he played the character of Julian Sark in Alias, um, and he hams it up as the villain, as this other zombie called Blaine, very well. Um, he, and it pretty much seems that, you know when you see actors who seem to enjoy themselves a bit mm. too much? <laughs> he pretty much chews the scenery in every <laughs> scene he's in, and just seems to have too much of a good time. And it's all the show also surprised me, in terms of a character played by Robert Buckley called Major, who is the main character's ex-boyfriend, um, who you initially think who's a main who's got star billing, so you think he's going to be the um, dragged out love interest. So like, oh, I should tell him I'm a zombie or anything, blah blah blah. Uh, but what happens is that the character Major ends up becoming the best thing about the show, <laughs> um, mainly because they give him something else to do in terms of in terms of connecting him with the whole mytho- zombie mythology in that um harking back to alias again if if you've ever watched alias as a character bradley cooper was in it playing a character called will tipping who for the first season 
um, pretty much investigated this shadowy government. Um, it's like shadowy government um, agency that Jennifer Garner characters work for. And character Major just feels like the natural successor <laughs> to Bradley Cooper's character from Alias in that he ends up on his own mini arc trying to investigate these mysterious kids vanishing leading on to the existence of zombies and it just intersects with the finale in a fantastic way that you wouldn't expect for a CW show mm. so and it, it's I, I remember when I first watched it the, the pilot it does pick it does seem like a massive patchwork of several different ideas there's dead like me there's pushing daisies there's psych there's um true calling um and, and the, uh, just all these things that remind you of the shows at first and it's quite hard to shake them off but then i think by about the fifth or sixth episode it all clicks and it manages to find its own identity and the the the, the blatant formula there's a very formulaic um feeling to some of the episodes but it's done with such a, mm. a lot of fun um the dra- dramatic bits work well and I'm just quite surprised how much I really liked it and how well all the plots converged. I mean, there's a lot, quite a few things that seem, particularly in a CW show, which might be aimed at teenagers, mm. where you get the odd, oh, these characters are, don't know why they're there. They're just there to look pretty and try and attract the, the teenage demographic. Then about an episode later, it'll just tie in and just makes sense. It's it's very well done. It's very cleverly done. If you like your, if 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 you like if you like your, uh, almost procedural mm. stuff mm. with a bit of a supernatural tinge to it, then I fully recommend I Zombie. Yeah, I've never I haven't seen the TV show. I read the comics, of, uh, or the first trade paperback, the first volume of that, whenever that came out a few years back. I thought it was an interesting concept. Um, it. I don't think it quite worked that well for me as a comic book because her friend's a ghost and another one's a werewolf or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, they've not done that in the show. So yeah, so I think they changed some of that. And it, But I'm still interested in, in t- seeing the TV show, so it's good to hear something good about it. Um, okay, finally then, just for this section, 60 seconds or less, right? I want your guilty pleasure show that's still on TV releasing new episodes. James, do you want to do you want to start us off? Okay, this is going to upset some people because I think they genuinely love this show. I watch okay. it. Um, Suits. Um, right. Okay. Suits Ooh, yeah. is not great television. Okay, <laughs> I, I can't help watching it. Uh, Suits. Those of you who don't know, it's about a law firm. It's about this big sexy man called Harvey Specter who gets everything he wants. I never see him actually do much in the courtroom, to be honest. Uh, he he's a negotiator. Uh, Mike Ross, his associate, played by Patrick J. Adams, um, f- basically lied, said he went to Harvard and he didn't, and now he's kind of stuck in this law firm. They're stuck with him. Um, there's a brilliant character called Lewis Lip, played by Rick Hoffman, who's the kind of comic relief. The the thing about Suits is it's a procedural legal drama, and when you hold it up next to something like The Good Wife, which is genuinely fantastic television with brilliant characters, something about it, it's this kind of it's almost like um, IKEA aspirational television. It, it's uh, <laughs> it's got a funky theme tune, and uh, everywhere they have dinner or their apartments or their it looks amazing, um, but it. it I, it's just not it's it's as far as i go down the line towards soap operas and stuff like that if i want to turn off my brain and just watch some characters say some cool things which if you dig into it they're not actually that cool half the time but that you know it's the way they're delivered um yeah it suits it's fun it's fluffy i'm currently watching season three and max beasley's just turned up for god's sake yeah and apparently i've got eric roberts to endure over the next two seasons as well in a recurring role yeah yeah but I'm still watching it. So there you go, Suits. I know some people genuinely love Suits, including the people that told me, you've got to watch Suits, you'll love it. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I kind of watch it when I want to turn my brain off. Excellent. I've still not seen it. I'm not that inclined to because <laughs> it does sound a bit repetitive and not so good. But yeah, you're right. I've, I know people who love it and fair enough. Everyone yeah. likes different things. <laughs> I fell out of love with it. Yeah, yeah. Right. I might be about to reach that point to be honest. Maybe that's why I, I think I got to list. season. They got to start season five, and 
it's entertaining. It it kind of wants to be Aaron Sorkin. Yes. But, can't, but it's Aaron Sorkin light and yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of I think the writers try and emulate that very much. Yeah. Beat to and, beat and and the fact is that that's pretty much only Sorkin can get away with it. And I know a lot of people, and you've mentioned it earlier. I'm still not at that stage. He can, I, I, I in the way that you could watch, uh, you could watch, um, what's his name? Read the who? Who are you going to watch? And um, Carl Chandler. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I could. I could watch um, Aaron Sorkin basically rearrange the <laughs> phone directory into yeah. a script, <laughs> yes. and I would still watch that kind of thing. And yeah, I'm. I, I've never given up the faith. Uh, like I, I, the man's got faults, but I love his writing. But it is very much of a style, and anyone who tries to copy that style is gonna end up on the wrong end of a whooping base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it's. I, I don't know what it is. It's. I think it's a budget. I think it was budget reasons that it's a lawyer. It's a law show, but yeah. the idea is that to try not to get into the courtroom. Yes, yeah. so it's a lot of boardroom chats and so and like it's, it's, it's the opposite of threatening people basically. basically. Yeah, it's but it's case. It's like you get to like a season finale and suddenly Harvey Specter's in the courtroom speaking to a judge, and I'm pretty sure that Harvey Specter doesn't know what a judge looks like. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, Latham, 60 seconds or less, give us your Guilty Pleasure show, still on TV. It's a show that's just more or less started in America, it's called Unreal, it stars Shuri Appleby, who you might know from Roswell or Life Interrupted, and Constant Zimmer, who played Dana Gould in Entourage. It follows a, a fictional Bachelor-style show called Everlasting, and it's about the crew trying to manufacture or the behind-the-scenes look at trying to get this... Um, bachelor style show going on so you've got this very whimsical British playboy air, like some royal heir or whatever um, has as the bachelor with his like different women and Shuri Appleby has to try and emotionally manipulate um, these women to do or go through things and stuff and it, it starts off and it's quite morally <laughs> it's, again as I said with the Americans it's very morally grain areas um and there's a very underlying sense of so, like psycho psychological exploration in terms of um shirapu b's character possibly a sociopath sociopath at times um and, and but then it it is on lifetime and it does drift in some very prime time soap stuff so you do get your occasional um love triangles and very annoying prime time sub tropes that come in um it reminds me a lot of revenge um a few years ago the, mm -hmm. em the emily van camp um show with madeline stowe in that there are times where you think it's good enough to surpass guilty pleasure in that it's not it's not just your usual prime time sub with a it's got a few more elements to it um the whole meta aspect i'm a sucker for anything that delves into metaness or, or anything that will go into tropes mm. about making TV itself and it taps into that and I just I started watching it and I think the season for not first season finale is next week and I haven't stopped I think <laughs> I haven't stopped watching it um the, the, there are bits that the whole like relationship stuff I'll start I'll skip through but it's when they're trying to emotionally manipulate um these these women to try and try and spin a narrative out um, but in the in the pilot episode, Constance Zimmer picks a girl out who looks really pretty and says a one bitchy comment and out of character for her, and then they try and emotionally manipulate her to be the season's villain. That it's that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And um, sure, and again, Const I love Constance Zimmer. Constance Zimmer just she finally gets her own Ari Gold style character in this, um, and she's very watchable. Sherry Appleby as well is. A lot better than she was in Roswell. Um, and what's it called again? It's called Unreal. Unreal. Okay. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's due to air in the UK pretty soon. Okay. Sure. Right. So it's it's not actually shown here yet. No. No. Uh, okay. I get you. Okay. Right. Well, I'll move on to to my guilty pleasure, which isn't so much um, a TV show, more of a TV channel. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Babes, you know me so well, James. Yeah. Actually, it's basically what happens is I'll flick through the channels. Say it's about eight p.m. Flick through the channels, looking for something to watch. There's nothing on. I always end up clicking onto the sci-fi channel. 
and watching whatever garbage film happens to be on. So not ne- I don't necessarily always watch everything. So um, it might just be a bit of the film. So stuff like Super Shark and Two-Headed Shark Attack and Sharknado recently, which was the sort of inspiration for picking this date because Sharknado 3 aired recently. But stuff like Ar- Arctic Predator, Dino Croc versus Super Gator, all that kind of thing. I will watch a bit of it and I think, yeah, let's pass some time until something else is on. <laughs> and then I'll switch over. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know what it is. I'm aware how shit these films are, and I'll watch them and just point and laugh at how shit some of it is, or how boring it is, or how bad bits are, but I still end up flicking to that channel every so often, and I don't know why, I don't know what it is, Um, but yeah, so I might tune in for the last half hour of a film, or I might miss the first 15 minutes, but then end up watching like 45 minutes of the the film, and then choosing something else to watch, and it's just my... (laughs) I don't know. It's guilty because I know how bad those films are. And it's guilty because it's me flicking over and stopping watching a film halfway through or jumping in when there's 10 minutes left or whatever it might be. Um, But it it has become my go-to TV channel to waste a bit of time. And that sounds really bad. You poor fella. I know. So a bit of sympathy, please, fellas. Um, But also, okay, so I've also got Steve's guilty pleasure. Um, which is, he says, I can't help but watch The Big Bang Theory. I've no idea why. It's oh, not God, funny. <laughs> yeah, doesn't have good characters, etc. I still watch it when it's on. <laughs> he says, also awful reality TV shows like Storage Hunters, and I can watch repeats of QI ad nauseum. I think we're all a bit like that with QI. Yeah, yeah, QI. Uh, yeah I've got no issue with QI at all. Yeah. Yeah, but... I don't think I've watched it in years. Oh really? It's no. it's one of those that I wouldn't I've never seek really out. Got... But if I if I when I used to watch kind of TV, now I'm all streaming, so I don't yeah. really see it anymore. But when I used yeah. to watch, I'd flick. Oh, it's a, it, always the last five minutes of. I only ever saw the last five minutes of QI, but I I then say, I'm gonna watch the last five minutes of QI. I'm fine there. Yeah, it's a sort of pastime, isn't yes. it? Yes, yes. It's a bit of an institution. I've got no. Yeah, exactly. So I think that about wraps up this part of the podcast. We'll be back with our final part of the show after this. Okay, so in the final section of this podcast, we've got questions, but they're much shorter. We can give much shorter answers. So we'll start off with the first one. And Latham, do you want to kick us off with your TV show that you used to like, but have fallen out of love with? Castle. Castle. <laughs> yes. I gave up in the first series. I, I liked it, but I could see where it was going, and I was like, I've, "I've not got, I've not got time for this." I think <laughs> it, I might have it got worse midway through an episode. Because I, I love Nathan <laughs> Fillion. So, what's happened then? What's happened, Nathan? Uh, I got to about season five. <laughs> yeah, I got to season five, and it did get samey. I mean, Nathan Fillion, I is, I love him to bits. Because it's, it's Nathan Fillion. He's one of these yeah. people that all you need to do is say his name yeah. and you understand. Yeah. Um, but it's just, the show just seems to get, okay, it's a, it's a procedural, but it just got in the same odd pattern and the same odd pattern with itself. And the whole premise is quite loose anyway. And I don't know, it just, I don't know. <laughs> like, that's that's, the, that's fair enough. It's just it all, annoys, it? says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's just really same because the first season's really good. I mean, the, there's one of the bits, I think it's like one of the episodes, episode five or something, he's sat in the car and he starts humming to himself, pretending to drive the car. And then he sees the criminal running, he jumps out. And the sound that he's been humming to himself becomes the actual music. So he's kind of humming his own theme tune. Um, and there's, and there's a, like a bit in season two where he, he does a nod to fly, fire, Firefly where he comes mm. in, Mark Reynolds' costume. He's like, what? What are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm Space Cowboy. But didn't you? <laughs> wasn't that some dumb? Wasn't that some dumb show that was on in like five years ago? Yeah, but I like it. Nice. <laughs> and there's like a few odd geek references, yeah. like a few nods and a few references. But then it's just, I don't know. It's it's just a cop. It's it's a cop show where Nathan Fillion turns up and just says stuff. And it, I don't know. It just something about it just started yeah. to move the wrong way. And I don't know. Yeah. That yeah, it, it has the it gives the impression of being that sort of show. Yeah, that you just get tired of, I guess, after a while. 
bit of a shame. I think it should have ended. It should have ended while it was on a massive high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, James. Same question. TV uh, show that you used to like but have fallen out of love with. I mean, it's Doctor Who actually, and not in any kind of like angry at the way they've done anything or recap. I just, um, I I, I love Doctor Who growing up. Sylvester McCoy was my Doctor Who, believe it or not, not Tom Baker, for anyone <laughs> starts. Uh, I love Tom Baker, obviously, but Sylvester McCoy was my first Doctor Who. Uh, I, I love the new stuff that they did. love Christopher Eccleston. I really like David Tennant. I watched all of those. I watched all of Russell T. Davis's run. And then I thought, I'm really going to like this new direction, because a lot of people criticise the emotion of Russell T. Davis. And, you know, he was a little bit... Yeah, it, it was. there was a lot of deus ex machina and stuff like that. But the And I love Matt Smith's run uh and then when peter capaldi turned up who i thought was perfect for doctor who i thought perfect casting old miserable scottish guy <laughs> going back to my uh my original doctor with sylvester mccoy an old miserable scottish guy with dubious you know you think oh is he actually really going to help out everyone and stuff like that and i watched the first episode i just never went back and it was the i didn't make a conscious active decision to stop watching doctor who it just stopped being fun and yeah i've not seen it since so i, I don't know anything about Capaldi's most recent run. Um, that first episode was the Ben Wheatley one, wasn't it? He it was ben Wheatley. Yeah, he directed the first two, I think, and I didn't even watch the second one. And not because yeah. I, was, I huffed off and went, oh, God, I'm not watching this again. I just I just didn't come back. It was, mm. it was weird. Um, so, yeah, that that would be that one for me. It's a shame. I, I really liked Capaldi. Then again, I've, well, I've, done, I've found myself liking each Doctor better than the last one. I yeah. love Matt Smith. I love Matt he Smith. He was amazing. I love Matt Smith. Yeah, uh, and I, even though I even though I remember speaking with them, um, Tony Black from Black Hole Cinema, and he was like, "Oh no, David Tennant's my doctor," and then suddenly Matt Smith <laughs> came along. And we're like, "Oh no, no, Matt Smith's our doctor." Yeah. And I don't know if I don't know if he's actually watched Peter Capaldi yet, but I remember going back and saying, "I don't know if I like Capaldi more than Matt Smith, but I still generally liked Capaldi mainly because I think because he was different and yeah." And, and that's the and you know I might watch it at some point, but I never used to have to force myself to watch it, and that's that's the that's the thing there. And yeah, maybe there's a disconnect all of a sudden, but it's a program I've watched since my and I've gone back and watched a lot of the classic ones that I've really enjoyed as well. Some have been terrible, but some have it, been fantastic. Um, and it's yeah, one it's of, a shame. It's one of the, probably the, one of the few TV shows I'll actually sit down and watch when it airs because all the times I'm watching yes. by streaming. Yeah. It's the Zion second Cooper. biggest export as well from BBC, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. After, pre- do we know so, what the first so one is? The first, but Top Gear is the first one of it. Top soon Gear. To be, yeah. Soon to be the first one, because no one's going to buy Top Gear without Clarkson. That's true. And not that, I've, not that I'm a massive Clarkson fan by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's a doofus, but, you know. Uh, and, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. And he's the guy they watch. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> I said possibly. I won't get you sued, Owen. <laughs> yeah. uh, just possibly. Um, but, yeah. Uh, no. So, yeah, Doctor Who for me. Okay, and my pick is um, well, The Simpsons was going to be my first, but I thought that's oh, too obvious. Yeah, so I, you know, I and I think of that because it's dead to me. <laughs> uh, it is, and but I can still watch the old episodes and laugh all the way through it. Yeah. So I I I vetoed that idea because I thought okay. I, I still watch The Simpsons, the okay, old episodes yeah. when they're repeated. So what I've gone for is Mock the Week, which I used to enjoy. Mm. I did. I used to enjoy it. I used to think I. You know, not every comedy show's got to be that satirical. It's not got to be that clever. You can just put something on where it's a bunch of comedians telling a few jokes. Yeah. I really just dislike it now. I just can't stand it. And I went back to watch the new series, which started quite recently. And I thought, I'll give it another go. Maybe, Maybe it's just me and whatever reason I didn't like the last series or whatever. So I started to watch it again. It's just rubbish. It's terrible. And... Yeah, I can't believe that it's still going. Yeah, I can't believe it's still I, so popular. I was never a fan anyway, uh, and not out of kind of snobbishness or anything. I just, again, it was another one of the programs that didn't really drag me in. And then I think when you've heard Stuart Lee eviscerate it, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of tainted. I can't go and watch it with fresh eyes because I've seen, I've heard what Stuart Lee thinks about it, and I'm not going to be able to see it in anything other than that kind of light so yeah the then i was like well there's no point in even watching it kind of thing so yeah. I'm, I'm, which is because i like dar o'brien um yeah. and i don't know who the people on it are these days because frank you dennis i like i still like you dennis, dennis i like although there is an element of like you know 
Mary Whitehouse experience was good in the early 90s. Hugh Dennis is hardly what you would call a cutting-edge comedian. No, no. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and Punt and Dennis, let's be honest, were the lesser of... You know, Newman and yeah. Baddiel were better than Punt and Dennis, let's be honest, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I, I like him in um, Outnumbered, but yeah. I always thought he was an odd choice to be on yeah. there. Uh, well, yeah, on Mark yeah. I've, I, cause I remember, I used to love it. I used to love it. And, um, and I thought, in, in my youth... <laughs> Yeah. In, my, in my youth, when it was like I was about twenty, I think about which was like two thousand over ten years ago, um, and I I really looked kind of like oh like like Frank about and I bought his like stand up DVD yeah. and I remember watching it and half the stuff was just basically rehashing was stuff I heard on Rock the Week and I think that kind of clued me into the fact that it doesn't feel like it's satire it's just comedians. Mm. I went to see Frankie Boyle live because I used to really like him on Mock the Week. I thought he was, yeah. you know, I thought he I was quite funny. I can't stand him. No, his stand-up routine was appalling, and he was not good at all live. He was basically, you know how you get comedians and they interact with the audience and they tell a few jokes and take the piss out of people? Exactly the same stuff that had been on Mock the Week and his DVD. So yeah. what the fuck am I paying for? It was like watching someone read out jokes from a phone. Yeah. So it's it was like, like a funny wrestling isn't real, isn't it, that very first time? <laughs> Well, you know, you expect some kind of... Oh, no, I agree. No, I agree. Like, I've seen Dara O'Brien live a few times. Yeah. And he's brilliant with the audience because yeah. he really does riff off whatever they give him. Yeah. yeah I know it's, they, they do have things they fall back on and they've got jokes and the oh, same cool. sort of things come up quite often. But, you know, I still think he was he was very quick with what was thrown at him. Uh, and Paul uh, Merton's uh, been the same as well. Yeah. And I've seen him. But... Yeah, I, 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 when I watch Mock the Week, I, I watch it now, and it's like it's like they might as well be members of boy bands, to be honest. I, yeah. I don't recognise half of them. They're all the same kind of young, fresh-faced, kind of bright. And you just think, no, I, I like my grumpy old men. Like, I liked yeah. it for a while again when Chris Addison was on it. Yeah, and then stopped. He's he... a very good stand-up as well, actually. Yeah. Although, okay. you know, now. You know, off directing Veep and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. He's, he's, really he's just... got it made, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the second question, which is kind of the opposite to, to what we've just asked, is TV shows that you used to hate but now really like. Um, James, why don't you start this one? Okay, and yeah, this wasn't hate. This was this was massive disappointment. And <laughs> then I got round to liking it. It's the IT crowd. Um, okay. <laughs> I, because I was a huge, huge Father Ted fan uh, when I was growing up. Uh, yeah, so Father Ted was on TV when I was kind of year ten, year eleven of school. So it was that was I was watching it on a Sunday evening, going to school the next day, talking about it. It was a massive part of my life at that time. And then Big Train came out. Uh, with you know, and again Arthur Matthews, Graham Linehan, love Big Train. For my mind, one of the most underrated sketch programs ever uh adore big trend and launched careers of so many brilliant comedians or continued careers of so many brilliant comedians um and then the it crowd came out and it had chris morris in so i was like oh my, yeah this is chris morris it's another grand limit and i just didn't get it at all uh i it just didn't i didn't warm to it when it first came out in any shape or form massively massively disappointed and pretty much a decade later i'm now uh, I, I work at a school and one of my roles is is teaching digital technology to uh, to young people, uh, among other elements of my roles. And I've actually started trawling through the IT crowd for clips to use. Um, there's a great clip in the in the pilot where Jen, uh, who knows nothing about computers, is being interviewed by Chris Morris. Um, and he says he said in your CV, you've got computer skills. And she, oh yeah, I did say that on my CV. And okay, explained them. She, there's the mouse and uh, the screen <laughs> and uh, the box, the box under there. Oh, the hard drive. Yes. Oh, you sound like you know what you're talking about. That kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and I've I've actually used that whole scene with my students to say, look, I don't want you ending up like this, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, and I've and I've recently gone back and watched the whole thing, and I, it's it's in a way it's a really dated style of comedy. Yeah, you don't see many sick because of the the American influence on TV now. No one makes a kind of British. No one really makes a British sitcom anymore, apart from those terrible British sitcoms that you know, like Miranda and things that end up on BBC One and ITV. You know, and it was, it, it's very formulaic. 
Um, it you know what's going to happen, but the characters, I, I the second time around anyway, I really warmed to them. Uh, Richard Arwadi is fantastic as Moss. Um, I I love uh, Chris. Pardon. Yeah, and you know, you look at him there and the fact that he's now starring in Judd Apatow films and stuff like that. It, yeah, that, that's a sh- that the people involved in that have gone on to do quite awesome things. Uh, and and you get loads of Matt Berry from season two mm. as well. And Matt Berry's just awesome. Yeah, I, and they got rid of Chris Morris. I was like, oh no, they, oh my god, they replaced him with Matt Berry, and it works uh, because. Matt Berry's character is just incredible in it, and he's got <laughs> he's got literally the best voice in British entertainment. Um, I love him on House of Fools. Yes, yeah, and I, I just noticed I went onto iPlayer the other day, and there's like there's three five minute documentaries that he's met Matt Berry in, or something like that, and it's like him narrating archival footage. Or like one is about summer holidays, so it's just loads of archival footage about British people going on summer holidays, <laughs> and then his narration over the top of it. And it's just so if you have just when I went onto iPlayer, it was the very first thing in the corner. Just search Matt Berry on iPlayer, and there's these little documentaries that he's made, um, like he's narrated and written. Uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, the IT crowd didn't get it at first. I thought it was a massive disappointment and failure, and I've kind of grown to love it now. Yeah, I've the same. I. I... I said, like, like yourself, I work in a school, but I'm IT support. Yeah. And whenever <laughs> anyone ever asks me what I do, and I'm like, um, I work in a school. Oh, oh, what do you teach? I'm like, no, no, no. Um, I do IT support for a school. Oh, right. Do you watch the IT crowd? Yeah, yeah. I'm that for a school. Oh. <laughs> but, that, oh. You know, that, I'm just going to give a shout. I'm not going to name him, but my my network manager, who I work alongside, is just such a lifesaver. It's amazing. I get to teach all this stuff but he gets to make sure that it all works for me. And it's amazing. So you guys, yeah, I'm, I'm raising a glass here to you guys right now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, Latham, what's your TV show that you used to hate or really dislike and now do like? It's less hate. It was more of misunderstanding, but um, I never watched it until the latest series last year, which is the great British bake off. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's, it's harmless. It's harmless fluff. I think it's, it's not. I don't know why I didn't really look on, didn't go into it, but um, it's about cake, and I love cakes. <laughs> cakes Good enough reason, baking. yeah. And yeah. there's there's the odd there's the odd like innuendo from Mem and Sue, and it's it's like harmless, harmless like pun, harmless mm-hmm. puns and stuff. Um, and then it did get me thinking about kind of other shows of that ilk, and what I'm, I never sit that sat down and watched them, but a lot of it gets a lot of flack that for reasons I don't fully understand um i saying oh it's like rubbish that the bbc is paying people the license fee is paying for but it's it's actually not interplay it's forgettable fluff but it's mm. it's nice to see like them these people trying to create these cakes and and like either doing them really badly or but it's uh, like what we talked about earlier with project catwalk project, project one way. way yeah um yeah where it, you're right it's just like I've watched a lot of these shows, but for the first season, uh, series only. So I've watched yeah. the first series of Bake Off. I've watched the first series of Project Catwalk or Runway or whichever one it was. I watched the first series of Big Brother. I watched the first series of all these kind of shows. And then I feel like and The Apprentice was the other one. I've only seen yeah. the first series of that. And I think there's little point in me watching it again because I think it only you only need one series of it i don't know maybe because the format isn't what makes it for me i guess oh sorry the format is what makes it for me i guess rather not, than not the characters not yeah. the wacky characters yeah. they start bringing but, in but in the later. i think i think what i think what helped me with the british bake off is that um there's quite a group of my close friends watched it and we just ended up having a whatsapp group and we were just texting each other all the way through it into like <laughs> it's about 10 of us just like mystery science theater 3000 mm. it. <laughs> um, as we was watching it, but it's a lot of fun. But and then it, it 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 did make me think of other shows like um, Strictly Come Dancing. Mm. Um, it's where it's where people like flame it, flame it for being like cheap reality, but in fact it's more or less just light entertainment. And and they lump it with shows like Britain's Got Talent and X Factor, which I think deserve the thing because they're more exploitative of the public yes, rather than Strictly Come Dancing. So. Strictly Come Dancing is about learning a skill. And ultimately, it's about people going on a bit of a journey and learning a skill 
yeah. and it has talented people. You know, the people they've got in there are there for you know uh, various different reasons. And, and it's fun like as well. I mean, like you've got yeah. the people who. Are bad I don't watch it anymore, but I did used to watch it to be honest. And what what's quite interesting though, these types of shows are pretty much with the with the advent of streaming and on demand and catch up and stuff like that. They, these become kind of more important in a way for the socialization uh, yeah. like you say watching them the time that they're aired and talking to other people about these shows there isn't a lot of that you know people we used to talk about the water cooler moment yes uh, yeah yeah it's this huge yeah and i think seinfeld was one of the the big you know one of the first shows that they yeah that really took off in America in the nineties, but actually with cheers and things like that, there was, you know, you go in and you talk about what happened on TV the night before. And we don't do that because we're all watching different things at different rates. Um, the box but, set era. Yeah, basically. yeah, yes. exactly. The binge viewing and things like that. Uh, and so these, show, sadly, I don't really watch it because I, I just don't watch live TV anymore. I, I, our I TV aerial that. came down. So I, I literally can't watch live TV unless I hook up a, a poor internet stream. And I gave up when I couldn't watch Game of Thrones live because the, the service couldn't take it. So I don't watch anything live anymore. Yeah, apart from I... a pub. That, that's literally yeah. it. So I'm, I kind of miss out on that a little bit. Um, you don't really. Well, yeah. no, no. I, the thing is, I miss out on the socialization. That's what that is genuinely what I miss out on. It, it's got to the stage where when 24, uh, the most recent season of 24, uh, Live Another Day or something, 24 Lad, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, 24 Lad. Um, but we we kind of got together with our friends to watch the last episode of that. Because I wanted that kind of social element. Mm. You know, our our friend, us and our friends have been watching Twenty Four since the start, and we always used to watch it and then discuss it and things like. And it got to the stage where this wasn't going to happen unless we actually physically made it happen, and we had to. So we had to watch it on catch up, but we all avoided everything and got round someone's house and watched beer, and that was really nice. And I, I do kind of miss that a bit. There's a valiant effort to defend these sorts of shows. I don't think either of you are going to defend what I've chosen. Okay. Um, it's a TV show that I used to hate and now kind of like. Uh, a League of Their Own. The panel show on Sky. Wow. I know James Corden as host. I can't, already... I can't watch panel shows anymore. A, yeah. bit, a bit because of the whole kind of, you know that everyone on there is has got a team of writers just off it's just feed that you can't see. And, and well, yeah, once you've seen that too often, you just, I, I can't do it. But, but the, the thing is... <laughs> With a league of their own, I used to hate it for the reasons I now kind of like it. So, I, I'm not one of these people who hates James yeah. Gordon. I no, think he's okay. I think he's, he's, done, fine. he's done some good stuff, to be he's fair. He's a good writer, and, you know, I wish him all the best in America. I, I, his... I, I loved Gavin and Stacey, and I kind of give him a bit of a free pass. Yeah. He was good in Gavin History Stacey's Boys and stuff yeah. like He's a good actor as well, I think. Yeah. Um, very talented bloke, so fair enough. And I think he does sort of work. We hate talented people in this country, don't we? That's we do, yeah. Send them off to America, get rid of them. Well, maybe not so often with Piers Morgan, but no. get rid of some of the ones who aren't very talented. <laughs> some, some, some kind of float back up, don't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Jamie, Redknapp on it is just really awkward and not funny and seems to take it <laughs> too seriously. Freddie Flintoff is not the most quick-witted of people on there. <laughs> I can imagine. Jack Whitehall is um, just an attention-grabbing child. Yeah, you're but, selling it to me. <laughs> but, you know, there's no, there's barely any quizzing that goes on on that show yeah. at all. It is that dreaded word that it's most bants, people have isn't it? Bants. Oh, It's banter. God. And that's the reason I used to find it really shit and I used to hate it and I used to watch the first series and I was really optimistic for it. I thought, okay, they're going to have, like Steve's talked about recently on the podcast, a sports quiz show. Mm. And it's going to be on Sky and it's got people from Sky Sports as well as comedians. Um, absolutely fucking hated it when that ghost guy whose name was, John Bishop. Can't stand oh, John can't Bishop. Can't stand John Bishop either. It's utter yeah. twat and not funny. I don't, just don't get it. But yeah. he, when he was on it, avoided it like the plague, that show. Now he's not on it anymore because for some unfathomable reason he's successful on the BBC. Um, I've started to watch it again and I quite like it for the banter. For having this epic bants going on and not really doing anything but all these like inviting strange celebrities who have no idea who they are onto the show and making them do silly things and stuff. It kind of reminds me in a way of like what Shooting Stars used to do. Which ah, yes. Took the yeah. piss out of the people who were on it and they didn't really understand yeah. what was going on. 
Um, so low rent shooting stars then. Very low. I wouldn't pull it that high. <laughs> yeah. Because I really, I really loved shooting. Do you know stars. what? I, there was a period of time where I used to watch. Um, what's the Keith Lemon TV? What's the Keith Lemon? Oh, both. Quiz? Oh no, both selected. No, the, was quiz, the quiz that he did as um, TV Celebr- juice or something. Juice or something like yeah, juice. Celebrity juice. There was actually a period of time I watched that for about 18 months for pretty much the same reasons. There's not much of a quiz going on there. It was late night. Yeah, I I can kind of get it, I suppose. Yeah, so I kind of now yeah. watch it because there isn't any other TV show that I've watched that has the same sort of thing on it. And it just sort of fills a void of just idiots messing about for an hour. Okay. It's not a void I look for, but... No. <laughs> <laughs> floats your boats. But it's like it's just like we've talked about with harmless fun. Yeah. It's just yes. a bit of fun with of these course. guys who it's not full of these obnoxious comedians. They all poke fun at themselves and you know, like it with Mock the Week, hey, that just turned into this viper's pit of comedians trying to constantly shout over each other. At least this is just I mean it might be a constant stream of of just gags, but it's not it's not them it's, shouting it's down. It's good in, natured. Yeah, it's good yeah. natured, exactly. So I used to really hate it, and now I kind of set it to record on my planner, and I'll watch it. It's it's jumped up a few levels. Wow. Yeah. So, okay, this almost wraps up the podcast. We've just got one more question to get through, and again, sixty seconds each for this one. We'll try and be quick. What I want is a TV show that you want to see come back from the dead, mainly in honour of um, James's podcast, The Pitch, where. You're going to pitch this to me. Yeah. I want a writer. I want an actor or comedian or guest or host or whatever it might be for your show. And a basic outline for the series. And Latham, kick us off with your, your choice. Okay, I want to see Neil Gaiman bring back Blake 7. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Damn yeah. it. I thought, oh, I thought I had a good one, but I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> any, any cast in mind? Any actors? Yeah, um, I only got two. I've got okay. um, I've got Ben Whishaw as Raj Blake. Um, nice. An an idealistic um, government work, intergalactic government worker who gets disillusioned and then nicks a ship and decides to go off and forms a little ragtag crew of people. Um, and the only and one of them is the character of Kurt Avon, who was like the breakout character in the original. And the person who I think could should play him. Is um, Ewan Rion from Game of Thrones, or oh, Ramsey from Game of Thrones, yeah, playing yeah, yeah. basically yeah. taking over Paul Darrow nice. as the shady, as the shady moralist, very grey moral one. Um, and so each week they further try and over him and the group of other five people, well, four people and a computer who makes the seventh, um, try and basically do, go on like a seven. Okay, a seven-man mission to bring down his whole galactic corrupting empire. Seems perfect for Gaiman, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I think he'll be able to homage homage the original whilst having a different a, a unique spin. Yeah, on it. His own quirk. And I think, uh, and I think his work on Doctor Who has been really good. Mm. So I think I'd like to see him do a proper nice sci-fi con- sci-fi concept as well. Brilliant. Um, my TV show that I want to see come back from the dead, I was torn between two. My first thought was The League of Gentlemen because I want to see Jeremy Dyson, Mark Gatiss, Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith all get back together again. Yeah. And I know they've all done their own individual things. Psychoville was quite successful. Inside number nine, very popular. Um, obviously, Mark Gatiss has mainly been as an actor in... He's popped up in Game of Thrones. He's popped up in Sherlock. He's been in a few things. Um, but I want to see them back together. And I really liked The League of Gentlemen. I've watched all um, the whole series again earlier this year from start to end. And I really, I do like it. I think it still holds up really well. Um, it's very dark. I think, Latham, you talked about it earlier. Saying that it's it's just that kind of dark, twisted humour that... I don't, <laughs> don't always yeah get but i love it i loved it i love the radio show i love the tv show i've seen some of the live stuff as well yeah those those guys back together that'll do it for me i'd be happy with that and i want i don't want it to be like series three which is when they each picked a character and oh yeah series, oh. series was set around it. like, like arrested development series four you know oh yeah yeah what I want is them back to do in another show just the way it was the in the first two series. 
Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, the other, my other option, very quickly, was just to bring back the wire because we can't let season five be the end of that. <laughs> We've got to have something else to finish that off properly. Um, but yeah, that was that was it. So, uh, James, why don't you? I've gone down a slightly different route to you guys. Uh, I'm going to bring back the Crystal Maze. Uh, <laughs> oh yes. Because yeah. let, let's be honest, reviving game shows is usually just terrible. Okay, I can't. I'm struggling to think of a single yeah. game show that got revived properly. The worst example being um, Sky One's version of Gladiators, uh, which <laughs> was just low rent and had a swimming pool in it for some godforsaken reason. Um, so I think time's right for revival of Crystal Maze. Obviously, you can't have the futuristic zone anymore because it looked <laughs> rubbish back then. Uh, it's going to look even worse now. Uh, it's going to look retro uh, now. And to have a proper futuristic zone would cost too much money. So I've gone for four brand new zones. Uh, Steampunk, um, Cold War, Jurassic. I've no idea what's going to happen in the Jurassic zone. but uh, And the Romans. Okay, And, and finally, just um, I'm, I was really struggling with a host. Because it's got to be someone who is... Re I was thinking of actors originally. And I thought, no, actually, I'm going to have to go down the comedian route. It's got to be someone who is... You know, can engage with people and is just natural chatting to people. So I've gone for Bill Bailey. Um, as oh, host, yeah, that's an excellent. Um, who, who, you know, can play music, who, you know, few musical instruments lying around, like uh, Richard O'Brien used to with his harmonica and stuff like that. So a few <laughs> musical instruments lying around. He's, he's a funny guy. He's good with people. But um, and I don't know why I've even put this in. I, this was when I opened my second beer, actually. But I, I just then want a video of David Bowie saying, will you start the fans, please? Uh, <laughs> that's it. That, that's going to be my killer bit is that it's going to be David. But that's what he'll come out of TV retirement for is for the Crystal Maze revival. So there we go. Um, that's, that's my pitch. Excellent. Yeah, you've clearly got a lot more experience. <laughs> that was a brilliant pitch. I'm in for that. Okay, so okay, last last part of the podcast, and we'll, we'll all head off after this. Um, <laughs> recommendations. Time, people. <laughs> yeah, we've we've taken up a lot of time for people today. A lot of, um, it's gone on quite long uh, compared to our recent. This is what happens when Steve's not hosting. I know it's easy to You don't realise, do you? Yeah. No. Um, but recommendations. So normally we obviously recommend a film that's on uh, TV or or video on demand or streaming or whatever uh, within the next seven days. But what we've got a slight twist on this. So why don't you guys give the listeners your pick of new shows to watch on TV or video on demand. So um, I'm going to start off this one. Yonderland. Have you guys heard of or watched I've Yonderland? I've heard of it. It's I with the why. It's with the guys from Horrible Histories. Okay. And it's with puppets. And it's kind of like a fantasy show, but it's oh. comedy. It's about um, a woman who's got a, cub uh, a cupboard in her kitchen that goes through to a, a mystical world, which is inhabited by various idiots. And every week she has to solve their problems. She's the chosen one who sorts out all these little stupid things. But if you like the humour of Horrible Histories... It's that. It's slightly more adult. Not much, but it's it's slightly more adult. Take it. This in its second series now. Currently on on Sky One or Sky Atlantic or whatever TV channel it's on on Sky. It's 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 got its level now. It's it's sort of evened out and it's it's quite funny. It is is maybe laugh every episode. So so that's my pick. Uh, Latham, what are you going to recommend people watch? Um, this is a series slash spin-off that's on Netflix. It's a Danish comedy drama called Rita. Um, I've been meaning to watch this. Oh, good. Um... It's yeah. It's it's pretty much follows a a school teacher called Rita who's very much anti-authority, and she she is easier. She finds it easier to relate with students than adults, and um, it's very funny. It's um, there's a the character of Rita herself is quite interesting, very well played. Um, when it's funny, it's really funny. When it's dramatic, it's quite dramatic. Um, there's a little spin-off. Um, that uh, It's only about four episodes, they're about half an hour each, following a side character called Hordis, who, um, who's probably one of the best things in the main show as well. Uh, it's there's a, there's a, there's a bit of focus on child, so you do get child actors trying to be dramatic as well but it does have quite a few interesting things to say in terms of how 
parents perceive education, how students perceive it, how teachers perceive it, etc. Um, I think it does a lot of the translates well across the British way as well. British way, if you and probably James, you work. You say you work in a school. Mm. You might find it interesting in terms of how different it seems. Yes, yeah, it, that's it, kind the, of why I put it on my list actually. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it because the way because I think all the teachers and all the students and parents all refer to the teachers by the first names, and it's like it's very very weird. Okay, it's a, it's a very strange it's a very strange uh, situation, but. It, it, it's very good. I was surprised how much I liked it. Um, I was quite. I was very happy when I suddenly saw season two appear, and then learned that season three would appear very quickly afterwards. And I recently watched the spin-off for this um, a couple of days ago, and it's about eighty minutes for the whole four episodes, mm. and it was just very fun, very little, very fun, which was very very light in tone compared to the slightly darker Rita, but. Um, it's definitely worth picking out. I think it was supposed to be, it was going to be remade at one point in America with Anna Gunn okay. um, playing Rita. And I was quite interested in seeing that, but it never got picked up. But uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Cool. Okay, Steve recommended Daredevil on Netflix, which we've mm-hmm. talked about a lot and James yeah. mentioned earlier. And Humans on Channel 4. Yes. I think he's enjoying. Humans has gotten a lot better than his first. Yeah, that's on. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I do mean to go back to that, but uh, James, why don't you um, round off this TV special podcast with your recommendation? Okay, and this is weird. I, I, recommendations a loose term here. Uh, <laughs> okay. so it, it's a shot in the dark. It's based on a trailer and half of a film that I didn't really enjoy. Um, <laughs> Good start. On, yeah, I know. On Friday, um, Netflix releases. Wet Hot American Summer, first day of camp, um, which is a prequel to an early 2000, I think 2002 film, uh, 2001 actually, uh, 2001 kind of parody of camp, uh, the kind of you know, American summer camp gross out comedies of the 80s, you know, in the style of Porky's and you know, that kind of thing. Um, now, What's incredible is they've got the entire original cast to come back for this eight-part TV series. And yes, yeah. But when you look at the cast and the, I'll just, I'm just going to read off some of the cast. Here. So, and what's quite fun, I like this idea as well. Is it's set? It's a prequel. It's set the year before the film, but they're using the same cast. So these cast members who are like in their twenties. Playing yeah, eighteen-year-olds, <laughs> they're now in their thirties playing seventeen-year-olds, and that's kind of part of the humour of it, I believe. Um, so you've got people like Janine Garofalo, David Hyde Pierce, Molly Shannon, Paul Rudd, um, H. John Benjamin, who uh, the voice of Archer, uh, and other things. Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper, just taking time out wow. of his very busy schedule in you know being a, a multi-Oscar-nominated actor to come back and do this. Um, Elizabeth Banks, Chris Pine. In all eight episodes. John Hamm in all eight. John Hamm's having a lot of fun playing stupid comedic characters after um, uh, uh, Kimmy Schmidt as well, obviously. John Hamm's loving just letting his hair down and playing a complete nonsense character. (laughs) Then you've got Jason Schwartzman, Kristen Wiig, John Slattery, also from Mad Men. Um, Josh Charles uh, from The Good Wife. Uh, Weird Al Yankovic, Michael Sarah. (laughs) It's it's a ridiculous... It's an IMDb list. Yeah, <laughs> it's an IMDb list by mistake, and, isn't it? And you look at them on IMDb, and they are in all eight episodes. Now, I'm sure some of them have got two minutes per episode or something like that, and I'm sure there will be some kind of low points there as well. But I, I just look at that cast and go, oh, I've got to see this, to be honest. Um, and anything which gets me more Amy Poehler, and Amy Poehler and Bradley Cooper play um, a kind of a couple who are in charge of the amateur dramatics bit. Um, which you know, have a look at the trailer on Netflix and see if you think it's worth your time. But all eight episodes will be out on Friday, thirty first of July. I'm certainly going to give it a go, but don't bother with the film. Um, it's not very good. There you go. Okay. Well, it's interesting. Callum really loved the film. Oh, did and it? Recommended it as one of his. Uh, he made Steve watch it when I won the quiz. Oh, I said I told Callum to pick a film for Steve, and he said I'm going to pick a good film, Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. What did so, Steve think? Or did he just not watch? He it? thought it was not great. It had a few funny moments. It had one of the funniest sequences I've seen in a comedy film. But beyond that, I was a bit nonplussed by it. But I think a lot of the people here are older and wiser 
and a lot of them found their feet, and I'm just intrigued to see what they do with it. Yeah, it seems interesting yeah. anyway. Yeah, what is it with that cast? Yeah, I know. Is... Yeah, sometimes I just like to sit down and watch famous people be in things. It's like, yeah, <laughs> when, I, when I've watched an episode of Curb, and it's like, oh look, Michael J. Fox has turned up, amazing. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I want from this. So we'll see. Cool. Well, that about rounds up the um, the podcast this week. Then, so um, do you guys want to give yourselves a very quick plug for where people can find you? So, James, where can can people find your uh, wares? Uh, yes, all our wares uh, are at diamondandhuman.co.uk. You can find us on iTunes if you search Diamond Human. The two podcasts are called Let the Music Play On and The Pitch, and we're also at Facebook Diamond and Human and Twitter Diamond and Human. Brilliant. And Latham, where can people find you? You can find me on the internet with on bottleepisode.co.uk. Um, I'm on with also on Twitter with at the bottle app because I found it. <laughs> I found <laughs> it as opposed from, from earlier. Um, I'm also on Twitter again as at xanmat as well. If you want to Brilliant. Me Excellent. Well, thank you very much, guys, and um, we'll be back next week with an actual proper film review. Um, episode rather than film, TV. TV rules, film rules. <laughs> so thank you very much, guys, and thanks for listening. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.